0: Welcome to Their Very Best, a podcast where total amateurs make wild proclamations about the work of expert professional musicians, despite having no actual qualifications. I'm Waldron Faulkner, and Bill is on the road, busy. He's in a car. Hi, Bill.
1: Hi. Hi, everyone.
0: (laughs) And um, because Bill is super important executive and on the road a lot for business and so on, we haven't had a lot of time to record. So we have recruited a special guest host, my brother-in-law, Peter Newman, down in Wilmington, North Carolina, to give us some wild, unsolicited opinions about Third Eye Blind. Welcome, Peter. Thank you, Waldron. Thank you, Bill. Welcome, Peter. So Third Eye Blind, Peter, I got to tell you, man, I don't really know much about them and i know you're a fan i know you're are you a super fan
2: i would admit i'm a super fan
1: what is the r for super fandom like that i assume you've seen them live more than once is that true
2: yes a lot of the super fan stuff comes from how it really kind of anchors me in uh you know certain difficult situations
0: there I, I find something soothing about it if that makes sense Peter you've got a you've got a plan for walking us through this stuff mm-hmm. what's the scheme are we going chronologically or do you have a more inventive plan than that I can only ever go chronologically usually
2: yeah I'm, I'm pretty much going to go chronologically cool you can talk about
0: some of the history and what happened with the band over the recording of some of these well, I'm interested to hear about the personnel of the band and the various changes over time. So, I'll tell you what, when, why don't we start with, why don't you give us a first song to hear?
2: Yeah, um, I'd like to start with Losing a Whole Year, which is the first track on the uh, debut album.
1: What year is this that this came out? Like
2: 95? This came out in 97.
1: It's a compelling year for me. This is the year I graduated from college.
0: He's such a baby. Billy had a gap year that lasted ten years. I always feel like the first song of the first album deserves extra attention. Good call to choose it. you with no love.
1: You touch everything with the, glove
2: and now you... the first track jumps out to me in a way that a lot of music at that that point in history, you know, we were still kind of coming out of grunge, and I thought that this album, and especially this track, really fit nicely in between grunge and complete polished pop. And the one thing I always come back to with this band is I love the changes in dynamics go from loud to quiet from shouting to singing even a little bit of rapping cool
0: man That's awesome is there a like um, what is the pattern for like their releases did they start out strong and then just sort of fade slowly or is there a uh, like a crescendo to their career where like the third album is the best one and they have a sophomore slump or like h- how do they kind of go
1: I was just gonna ask, how many albums are there? Are
2: they still together? Um, They are still together, and we'll have to look up how many albums. I see 12 studio albums. Yeah. Wow. That sounds right. Now, how I feel about this, I think the first album is by far the strongest. Uh In my book, it is a near-perfect album. It's got so much diversity between the tracks and they cover a lot of different subjects. You know, a lot of albums have like a, you know, maybe a hit or two on them and then the rest feels like filler. Um, With these guys, I, I would almost call the first album a greatest hits album.
0: So if this is their best album going, maybe you've got a couple of other tracks.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Let's go to same album, a song called The Background.
0: I'm guessing you know how to play this song on the guitar. I do. Yeah, it's um, it's actually an open D tuning. It's great sound. Yeah, I like it, dude. That effect that's on the voice—I can't tell whether it's only on the voice or if it's just more on the voice or that's like a an effect that they're putting it sounds like more instruments than just the vocals are going through that very echoey reverby
2: Yeah it's almost like a tremolo plus reverb yeah. on the vocals yeah. And see what I what I love about the guitars in this he kind of bounces in and out of different styles. You know, as I said before, the the changes in dynamics with this band, I think, are phenomenal. And there's one of those changes
0: coming, which I really love. Let's try to hear the change here. It's such a clean guitar sound. I kind of like it. Yeah, it was clean until then. Yeah. <laughs> it's a cool effect. The other thing about it
2: I want to make sure we covered is the outro, I think, is really inventive. In in now, this this right here, it seems like the end, but it's not. for it
0: still a different guitar sound here i like it yeah i do too i've always been kind of
2: drawn to really different outros but also very distinctive intros this album has a few of them You know, I think a really good example is uh, Steve Stevens, who's the guitarist and co-writer with Billy Idol. They would often place something at the beginning, sort of like at the beginning of White Wedding. There's kind of a pick-scrape, harmonic sound. And same thing for Rebel Yell. They do a really interesting little intro. And Steve Stevens referred to that as a flag. Flag. And he said, we always wanted to have a flag where when it would come on the radio, everybody would associate immediately, oh, it's uh, Billy Idol, White Wedding. Right. Yeah. Cool.
0: I like it. So these guys do that too?
2: They do. Yeah. Well, prove it. All right. I think a good example of that kind of flag intro is uh, how's it going to be on the first album?
0: I think I know this one. So you'd call all that um, clinky-clanky garage noises. Oh, yeah, of course I know this song. <laughs> I'm
1: only pretty sure that I can't take
0: anymore. I assume this album was a huge, giant hit. It's got a couple of big hits on it.
2: Yeah. I'm pretty sure it went at least seven times platinum. Man. I wonder is there anything i to
1: miss? I wonder how it's gonna be. This was on uh, <laughs> this was on a cassette, this was on a cassette tape that someone who wanted to spend more time with me made for me.
0: <laughs> Very diplomatically put, you know, Martha does listen, so we should be a little cautious.
1: Great riff, great hook. Yep. I feel like someone made a mixtape and put this on it and it was like basically the year before, or maybe three years before whatever, you know, iPods and iTunes and playlists, essentially mixtapes obsolete, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, do you think this is the last song ever to make it onto a mixtape?
1: Yeah, for <laughs> in, in, at least in my case, that was the last mixtape. How's it going to be?
0: When you're not semi charmed life, this is their big hit.
1: Oh, great! <laughs> me me Who
0: comes How do you feel about the song, Peter? I think it's a perfect
2: summer song Keep smiling what we
1: go through One to the rhythm that another
2: One of the things I really love about this band are not only the changes in dynamics, but the number of textures that they use. And by textures, I mean uh, the guitar tones change a lot, even from verse to verse.
0: In case you can't tell, Peter is a very good guitarist and a guitar nerd. He's one of these guys that goes all over to like get different guitars and is always trading guitars, which is the opposite of my strategy. I have had the same guitars for 40 years and have not needed new ones or to get rid of old ones Uh in that time for like 30 or 40 years, most of them.
2: Uh Yeah, and I think like for me as a guitar player... I keep buying and trading guitars because I think it's going to make me a better guitar player, but I just, you know, I'm 59 years old now, and I think hopefully one day soon I will accept that I am a solid, mediocre guitar player. I tend to play the same things over and over again.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's my problem. And I bore myself. I've got about 20 things I can play and about half a dozen that I do play. And that's pretty much me. Yeah.
1: Well, Peter, is there something that you're trying to learn how to do that's new or like develop, or technique or like how are you keeping it fresh?
2: Um, I'm writing a lot of riffs, and I've got a bit of a kind of a dad band that I'm a part of, oh. and so I bring the riffs into them. Still exotic, I want to
0: get Is it overplayed for you? Because I mean, like, super fans sometimes and frequently. Uh, have the problem where the one song that everybody knows and loves is the one that's overplayed for them and not representative of what they love in the band. Are we in that territory here? Or? I
1: would qualify that with like certain super fans with their noses in the air might feel that way.
0: Oh my God, Bill. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> Just for that, Bill... <laughs> You're the one who's going to get the Rolling Stone over under this time instead of Peter. I had been planning on giving it to Peter, but now you're getting it.
2: <laughs> I've always found it kind of interesting that it's this, you know, song of the summer, kind of peppy, very peppy, upbeat song, which is about crystal meth addiction. <laughs> um
0: Um, Yeah, um, contrast between the tone and feel of the song versus the uh, subject matter is a topic frequently revisited by not just us, but many of the other um, old dad podcasts that we know. And I wonder to what degree, like, this is a sort of effective artistic choice, but it could also just be like, I've got these great lyrics and the song's fine, and people don't listen to the lyrics anyway. We've decided that it's settled law here.
1: <laughs>
0: you know? It's interesting. Where are we going from here, Peter? Where we're going
2: is to the next album, which is called Blue. I think the first track to hear from this one is Wounded. Okay. With the first album, I played it to death in my car.
0: (laughs) Nice. At that
2: point, I was making mix CDs for myself and for my friends, and at least four or five songs from Third Eye Blind were on my mixes. At the time that Blue came out in 1999, I was going into a pretty sucky divorce and mm. what I found was that Blue was immediately soothing to me, but also I kept going back to the first album because it honestly it seemed to help me keep my energy up in kind of a lousy situation. Wow. You know I think that that's a, a lot of what I feel makes me a super fan about this isn't even you know because I've seen them live five times or whatever it's because they somehow they provide this kind of emotional anchor for me you know which I still kind of go back to this day Never
1: to understand what happens after dark.
2: And here's another one of those dynamic uh, changes It's about to start rocking touching you.
1: When you're oh,
0: yeah. It's quite a fill. This is interesting because I think this proves that you're a musician, Peter, or a, a music person, a music lover. I've always noticed that there are people who will turn to music to use it as a not a drug but a, a mood changer as a tool to to affect their mood. Not everybody does that. A lot of people listen to music to match the mood as opposed to change the mood, right? what else is on this album? Also on this album
2: is Never Let You Go.
0: Is Which was a bit of a hit. I think I know this one. Yeah. So guitar-y. Yeah, it is. All these songs are so guitar-y. And- Maybe we can go into the uh, personnel section a little bit, Peter, while we're listening to this. Yeah. I,
1: I was going to ask, do you know who produced their albums? Yes.
2: Um, the first album was produced by Eric Valentine.
0: One thing I noticed from looking at the Wikipedia page really quickly is that this band has had a lot of turnover. And I wonder like how much of that is in the guitar. And when did it all happen? Because this all sounds kind of of a piece. Was this a like dramatically different lineup? This was exactly the same lineup, okay.
2: but it was recorded during a time of turmoil in the band. And most of that came from Stephen Jenkins, uh, the vocalist, uh, and Kevin Cadigan, who uh, is the guitarist. There were financial disputes. There were musical direction disputes. And where this album is really different than the first album is, it was almost entirely recorded uh, with each member going into the studio by themselves to, to oh. track. Oh man!
0: So if I if I saw this on paper, I would say I would look at it and say, okay, the person who had the most control was a total dick and everybody else had to either work with them or not and then if they didn't want to they had to be out or they got kicked up is there like one controlling interest and like what do we know about that person is it cadigan who is it Stephen jenkins
2: the vocalist really took ownership of everything and part of what caused a lot of strife in the band is that The band was unaware that he had created a corporation uh, where he was the sole owner of that corporation. (laughs) He must have issued bonds.
1: I'm sure he issued bonds.
2: (laughs) Three of the members were, you know, kind of okay with that when it was revealed because it seemed like they were just happy to be in the band. Whereas Kevin Cadigan had a really big problem with it.
1: And did he write most of the songs by himself, or did he get songwriting credit for the songs on the first album, or?
2: He wrote almost all of the songs with Kevin Cadigan, the guitarist. Okay. And, and the other thing about the history of this band is after Blue, you know, the second album was released, they went to the Sundance Film Festival in uh, Park City, Utah. But what, what happened is they played the show, And the next morning, uh, Kevin Cadigan went down to find that he had a letter uh, explaining that he was out of the band. And they were performing on one of the late night shows. I think it might have been The Tonight Show. Uh, The next night, the band performed on The Tonight Show with a different guitarist. Oh my God, that's cold. Right. I mean, if the pieces I, I've read on this are accurate,
0: they gave him no warning. Peter, what song? What song can we play from the from the post Cadogan phase to sort of get a feel for it while we're talking about it? Yeah,
2: I would pick "Water Landing," which is from the album uh, "Ursa Major."
1: was there any reason like was he having addiction issues or unable to was he unreliable or he wasn't showing up or was it purely a power play Bill. well very curious
0: Bill just wants to make sure that there was a you know 360 degree review that had taken place before the uh, termination because <laughs> he wants to make sure from an HR perspective that everything goes crazy sure
1: performance <laughs> plan. The process was reviewed and improved. I'm sure lessons were learned, lessons were learned, and synergies were expanded.
2: You know, not only was he fired in that way, but he was denied certain royalties, um, because of the way Jenkins had constructed this corporation.
0: I knew there was a guy behind it that, that I wouldn't love. Yeah, and there was a lawsuit, and Jenkins ended
2: up settling with Cadigan for some undisclosed amount. You know, that was the first <laughs> turnover in the band, which was huge. At that point, this guitarist they brought in was a guy named Tony Fridanelli. and he had played with Third Eye Blind very, very early before record deals. And so he was kind of a known quantity. But that, that theme of financial disputes and you know not being happy with who's controlling what, um, that happened to Tony Fridinelli a few years after he joined the band. Um, it happened with Orion Salazar, who's the bassist, um, also no longer with the band.
0: Peter, do you turn to these post-Cadigan albums for solace sometimes, the same way, or, or for emotional support? If we can, an emotional support album. Uh, no, I, I don't. Just those first two. Yeah, just the first two. Do you think that's down to timing, or do you think it's all in Cadigan's guitars, or? To me, it, honestly, it's all in Cadogan's guitars.
2: They're releasing some new singles, I believe, right now. The one of the latest singles they released sounded to me like Jenkins singing along with a karaoke track of a Third Eye Blind song. <laughs>
0: He might be down to that now that he's kicked everybody. There's a heart of a band, and it is, and it's between the people. And when those people leave, you leave, you lose a little bit of the heart of it. And then what's left over is no heart, right? And so, I think maybe he just kicked everyone out, and he's down to karaoke. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I, I would completely agree with that.
0: That is my very considered opinion about this band that I know hardly anything about. <laughs> <laughs> Choose me any song, dude. Any good song. All right, here you go. Graduate, first album. The song never learned, the we do. All right, it's time for the segment that the fans love. Now, Billy, really, I've decided that there should be a uh, collective noun for the fans of the show. The fans. Right? Fans. Can we call them their very besties? <laughs> no? Or
1: the very besties? How about the very besties? The,
0: okay, the, the very besties. I love it. Anyway, the very besties love the segment the Rolling Stone over under. Rolling Stone, the magazine, has a list of you know, top 100 uh, guitarists, top 500 songs, top 500 artists, that kind of thing. You're a super fan. Um, Peter, on the Rolling Stone list of 500 songs, 500 top songs, which are ranked, the Beatles' song, Help, Help
1: I need somebody. is number
0: 447 on their list. On the other hand, Blondie's song, Dreaming, Dreaming is dream. that's number 414 ahead of Help. Okay? My question to you is this. What rank on that list is the highest ranked third eye blind song. Is it over Blondie's Dreaming ranked higher or is it ranked lower later than 414 Blondie's Dreaming?
2: Okay. As a fan, I think it should be up in the 200s, but I think in reality it's lower or maybe a lot lower than that.
1: I think it's I think it's ranked higher.
0: Well, Billy, it's false. <laughs> You're false. And, and it was a trick question, because they're not on the list. So I think Peter actually gets it right a lot lower. What
1: the actual F? They're not on the list? This is unacceptable.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I agree.
1: <laughs> I feel abused. Having a trauma response to this quiz.
2: Okay, here here's where we can test the integrity of this list. Where where does any of David Hasselhoff's work fall <laughs> in that list?
0: So uh, here's what I've got. One. That's I got, it. I've got, got, got one more. Good, good show.
1: Thanks everyone. Thanks for listening to their very best. Everybody. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, well, last Rolling Stone Over Under quiz. So you've mentioned before that um, Cadigan was sort of the lifeblood of the guitar thing at first. I'm gonna tell you right now, Cadigan is not on the list of top 100 guitarists. The question I have for you is this, is Jenkins on the list of top 100 singers? Let me just give you a little context. Number one is Aretha Franklin. Number 50 is Bonnie Raitt. Number 100 is Mary J. Blige. I would say he's not on that list. Billy, I know that you've got a very discerning ear. You've been listening to this on your presumably air buds the whole time that you've been driving along, but you've been listening. Would you care to uh, make a guess as to whether he's on the list or not? I think he's on the list. False. (laughs) Peter had it right. (laughs) <laughs> Peter, I've yet to get it right ever. <laughs> no, the, the first the first question in the first quiz ever, he got it absolutely right.
1: Can we give the drummer some? Who who is the drummer? Is it one drummer the whole time? Does it change?
2: He is Pretty much, the, besides Jenkins, the only enduring member. Ah. Um, ah. His name is Brad
0: Hargreaves. Right. So um, I think it's decided for Third Eye Blind. Peter, you have to make the proclamation, so I want to hear both proclamations. Their very best album and their very best song.
2: Very best album, the first album. Hands down, uh, Third Eye Blind, sweet. Nice, I like it. For the song, I'm gonna say losing a whole year.
0: Okay, it's not, is it, Billy, is it the first time? I don't think it is the first time that the, their very best song was the first song on the first album.
1: I don't think we've had a very best song be the first song on that first album yet.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, I did the Rolling Stone Over Under quiz. I'm gonna give you another quiz, Peter. The question is, what do you think our podcast's handle is on Twitter, Insta, and other platforms?
1: Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.
0: I would say TVB Music. It's actually just their very best. Damn it. I was able to acquire (laughs) those properties early on. So, And then I just read the copy. I say, we're going to do more of these, so beware. We'll be offering... We'll be offering more unsolicited (laughs) wrong opinions in the future. I'm not sure these are wrong opinions. I can only speak for me and Billy, but I'm Waldron. And I'm Peter. And thank you for listening to. I Oh my God.
1: Hey, what the fuck? What the
0: fuck? Sorry, Bill. I forgot you were there.
1: Still here, Waldron.
0: (laughs) Thank you for listening to their very best. But I do want to say thank you for for doing this, Peter. I you know it was a little bit short notice, so I thought you did really well under the circumstances, and I really appreciate your stepping in. Cause You're well Clearly, Bill, Bill wasn't going to be. He doesn't Not much help. have time for this kind of thing anymore.